What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card games premiere podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it hanging today? It's pretty good, Riley. I had an unintended day off. An unintended day off? What does that yeah. constitute? Well, so I have been uh, picking up this job here with the Census Bureau, doing some knocking on doors, going door to door, asking for people's information. And we get our assignments like the morning of, and the system just went down. So I was like supposed <laughs> to work, you know, six or eight hours today. And I worked no hours because the system broke. And so kind of had a little bit of a free day today. Oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. systems like that would just go down on you. Well, it's, I know it's a pretty simple system. You'd be surprised at how many errors there are, <laughs> but there are significant numbers of errors. Awesome. Well, anything else uh, <laughs> exciting going on? I mean, day off is pretty cool. I, I wish I, I wish I could say something was more exciting in my life. We had, we just had the full grip online series inaugural tournament yesterday, which was a blast to uh, be a part of. Yeah, so I'd I, say that was pretty exciting. I could really see the gears spinning in your brain as you tried to get the word inaugural out there. <laughs> <laughs> well they don't you know in my old age they don't come quite as quickly anymore and older by the day too right i like, know it it doesn't stop really riley nothing enjoy turns back the wheels of time enjoy your time as a 24 year old because soon enough you'll be you'll be as old as me well I, i've been saying this man i feel like i've been 24 for too long now it's yeah <laughs> an atrociously long time to be 24 yeah yeah it's definitely been <laughs> It's definitely been rough. And I've been reading, too, about the election and how if it's a if it's close race, how, you know, there might be some like uh, a refusal to either give up power or like a refusal by the other party to like admit defeat. <laughs> and uh, that's got me scared, too, man, because like what a perfect cap to 2020 is to have our presidential election like up in be, flames yeah oh yeah be sent you know to to the judiciary uh courts or to the <laughs> to congress to you know resolve i think that would just be you insane know, and uh, yeah just another another perfect way to uh, uh encapsulate all that 2020 has been one thing you can't let me forget to do this is i have to uh i have to get a new driver's license because your mm-hmm. uh your 21 driver's license expires when you're 25 on that day so um yikes well i will make sure to call you text you (laughs) set up an email reminder yeah that'd be good okay good maybe i'll even make a youtube video so when you upload the podcast for that week you'll see a a video there already (laughs) that says riley make sure to renew your driver's license yeah get your driver's license renewed yeah i just gotta imagine the bmv is like super weird you know have you never been well just like in the current context of uh, oh yes yes you have to make appointments i i heard that you have to make appointments well in advance and then it's still slow yeah you know which i mean it, it would make sense but just like you know they haven't they still haven't figured out a way to streamline you know making making reservations <laughs> for people so right what an absurd Ridiculous. organization <laughs> <laughs> number one in inefficiency Number one in inefficiency. Yeah, absolutely. They top the charts every time. (laughs) 
Also, I gotta say, man, you're uh this isn't really relevant to the listeners, but your camera is like a little laggy here. It is looking a little bit laggy. I don't know what to say. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess we can roll with it, but uh, as long as the um, audio is coming through. No, I mean, I, I can hear you. <laughs> All right, well, responding to things you say. So, yeah, fair enough. All right, well, sorry, viewers, you're just gonna have to deal with JW and his lips being a little out of sync with his uh, his words. Yeah, it's just gonna be have to be how it is. Sorry, guys. <laughs> anyway, so you mentioned the full grip series, and I would like to I'd like to talk about that. Um, obviously, we have things to say about the meta. Uh, we've already talked a lot about this meta, and I think I think the full grip series honestly kind of encapsulated the meta that we've talked about. So I want to break down instead um, some of the aspects of what it was like to be a part of that experience. So. You know, we've been talking now for a couple of weeks about, you know, what it would look like, how you envision it coming forth. And honestly, from my perspective, as someone who participated and and watched the tournament, I thought it was really spectacularly done. Um, so talk to me about what goes into the back end of these things. What was what was your thought process? What were the kind of things that you needed to implement or consider ahead of time to make this so successful? Yeah, well, I think with any any tournament series or really any just event, it's really important to have kind of an in infrastructure in place. Uh, and for us, that was having Natalie, myself, and Andrew all there kind of at the drop of a hat, just being able to uh, have those moderation privileges, being able to access any part of the tournament should someone need you know, to drop or should someone need to have a question about deck lists or things like that i think um you know doing it with one person it, it would have been not impossible but certainly a strain on our time and our mental energy and yeah. so it was great to have those you know other people to work with and and i particularly want to shout out natalie who um devoted a lot of attention to making sure that things were running smoothly in terms of registration and signing up for the event. Uh, I kind of did a lot of the front end things doing like setting up the discord and making sure that that was very user friendly in the sense that everyone kind of, you know, would know exactly how the tournament was going to run and how the rounds are going to proceed and, you know, just kind of getting all the uh, infrastructure in the discord so that just people knew, you know, where to go when, and how to do the things that they needed to do. And then again, Natalie took care of a lot of that backend stuff, the behind the scenes where it was, you know, people registering and dropping and submitting yeah. things and getting onto Battlefly and different things like that. So um, absolutely, you need a team to do this. And, it, you know, going forward, it would definitely be something that, that uh, we would look to potentially expand the, you know, moderation team just to make sure that should any issues arise, which we really didn't have during the tournaments, but should any issues arrive that we have the necessary people there to be able to deal with it. Yeah. And I, I think that's definitely a, an awesome part of it is that it was a real collaborative effort and you could yeah. really see that in the, in the tournament itself, as it was actively going on, you had Natalie running the rounds, you had you running the stream, Andrew kind of running the, the stream table and, uh, helping that get organized it was it was super cool um mm -hmm. so talk to me more about the stream specifically what was it like to solo cast a tournament uh was it exhausting even to have to cast on your own for so long um 
or the things <laughs> yes. that you change. Yeah, solo casting was pretty difficult in the sense that you are trying to juggle not only what's happening with the game, but also trying to juggle deck lists and certain cards and certain attacks and things like that. Um, you get in a little bit of a rhythm and you get into a rhythm of the way that you need to speak about certain cards. So if you forget the attack name on one of the cards, you know, you don't, you don't go trying to search for it. Although I probably did that a couple of times, but you know, you move on in a way that, that still gives the listener an understanding of what's going on without you sounding like you don't know what you're talking about. So that's, that's a real, um, that's a real struggle as a solo caster because you're trying to figure out, okay, what's everybody playing, especially if you're moving to different games, you know, midstream, uh, jumping right. into different scenarios. And then you're trying to keep, you know, just anything that you would during a regular game in play. So uh, just trying not to forget that the opponent GX attacked or trying to remember that, okay, this Pokemon <laughs> has this amount of damage on it. And that means that it has this amount of HP remaining. Uh, sometimes it gets a little bit funky when you're casting, particularly with um, discord, because some people's streams are a little bit shaky. And that's not to say like, we don't appreciate having you stream. We hundred percent appreciated everyone that streamed their games, but uh, that can also be hard because, you know, sometimes it, it gets difficult to make out, you know, some of the HPs and uh, some of the damage counter placements, but sure. Yeah. Those are, those are some of the things that, that were difficult. I, I would absolutely say that casting solo was something that I enjoyed. I mean, because it is uh, a lot more free form than casting with another person, you know, you really have to bounce off that other person if they don't bring the same energy or a higher energy, then it can be kind of difficult to cast with someone. Right. But casting solo was great. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Cool. Anything that you would change going forward? Was there lessons that we learned as a result of this tournament that you think you're going to take into the next one? Lessons learned would be, I think there were a few minor changes that we could make to the round uh, end and just maybe put those up front. So, um, you know, everyone that was involved at the tournament wanted to uh, make sure that the rounds progressed like almost as quickly as possible. And I think you can really do that in a format like this where, um, you know, it's games can be over relatively quickly compared to, you know, most any other format. And right. so, you know, you want to just kind of speed things along. And I think there was one round where we, you know, maybe maybe started the round, you know, five or 10 minutes early, but, you know, people thought that they had maybe a little bit more time if around is 30 minutes, you know, we were, we were kind of saying, oh, okay, well, if we need those 30 minutes, then all players will have them. But we ended up starting a round early because everyone had already finished their games. And then what that resulted in was somebody, um, you know, unfortunately being tardy to the next round and so that would be something that we might say up front, either that we will just adhere to this kind of 30 minute segment style, which is fine. Um, you know, we'll still probably get the tournament done, you know, in that three hour window. But, yeah, you know, just making sure that whatever that decision is on round start, that we make it up front and we let everybody know that, you know, hey, we're going to run it this way. Sure. So. Is there anything that you thought was particularly successful flipping from the kind of the, the reverse of lessons learned and things that you could grow from? Was well, there something that you just really enjoyed or are really proud of as a result of this event? 
Well, I think it was great. I mean, it's just another, um, it's another online tournament series that uh, a lot of people were excited for. I think the positivity that we've seen um, in the Discord amongst players was great. You're seeing a lot of you know newer players or maybe players that haven't really participated at a regional or even local level that are, you know, feel comfortable in the setting and the community that, you know, Andrew and, and Natalie and you and me have all kind of created and, and all the other full grip, you know, uh, affiliated team members uh, have created and, and they felt very comfortable kind of coming out to this event and knowing that, you know, okay, yeah, they're not going to look to maybe win, but they also know that by participating in this, that they're not going to have a negative experience with any other member of the community. And so that was a real positive that I saw just throughout everything. People were very respectful before the tournament, you know, getting into the tournament. If they had questions, it wasn't ever, um, uh, no one was ever really harsh with any of the admins. And then during the <laughs> tournament, no one really, you know, rule sharked or, or cheated in any way. So we were very, um, not surprised because again, the, the community that has been kind of created around full grip is a, is a very welcoming one, I would say. Um, but it's just, we're very thankful that nothing did happen. Yeah. Yeah. The Pokemon community always likes to tout itself as being, you know, a welcoming inclusive one. And I think, you know, compared to many gaming communities, that's true. Um, I do think the, the circle that we formed around tag team and uh, tricky gym and flex daddy as a whole is, is really one that I'm proud of and happy to be a part of. So that's awesome. I'm glad that you feel the same way. Yeah, definitely. It was a great, uh, well-run tournament. I think one of the positives to uh, the series is that, yeah, we do just really want to adhere and, and respect people's time that they've uh, devoted to this. And so um, that that kind of is the guiding principle, at least for these early ones, of just kind of keeping it as this, this challenge-esque tournament where we're going to be over in three hours and you know that going in and you don't have to worry about you know some malfunction happening keeping you there late in the day or uh anything like that we're just going to be prompt on time smooth and you know get you in and out and, and play some competitive pokemon for you know very reasonable and and strong prizes yeah um, absolutely and and get you out of there with enough time to, you know, finish your night off and not have to uh, worry about, you know, when you're going to get to bed for work in the morning. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, really well done, man. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'll definitely be participating in more in the future. Yeah, that's great. It was another great opportunity, too, um, for, you know, you and Andrew, I think, to play competitively because I know <laughs> you guys haven't done a ton of the online tournaments for, you know, just various reasonable reasons yeah and so it was great to see you both participate i want to ask you riley what was your experience with the tournament before i go into that i do have one last question for you uh you referenced oh, attacks sure. that were difficult to remember which was the one that stumped you the hardest it was um the alolan muck muck gx attack nasty goomix yeah yeah exactly well because like you get with the the Mewtwo deck and there's just so many different attacks. So I just, that's tough. You know, your, your mind kind of blanks a little bit. So that was, that was for sure the hardest one to remember. <laughs> Nasty Goomix GX. That's a lot of words <laughs> in one attack too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And normally, and again, it comes back to like kind of a, a principle that we talk about, about a lot on the, 
uh, podcast and that I certainly talk a lot about is just like how your brain kind of organizes information. And so, you know, I think of the GX attack as just being the, you know, muck, muck GX. Like that's how I compartmentalize it in my brain. Right. I don't ever look at the attack name. And I think that's pretty <laughs> much the case outside yeah, Charizard of Charizard you know, GX. And... Right. And like the other one is ultimate Ray on ADP. Like I don't really look at that attack because I'm never really, I don't know, hoping to, or I'm never really thinking about using it. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about using the alter creation. Like ADP is alter creation and like also has an attack, but that's another one that I just forget because I compartmentalize it in a certain way that, you know, isn't conducive to remembering the name of the attack there. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Oh, I get it, man. So on my side though, um, I ended up not doing so well in the tournament itself. Although I honestly, I wasn't on my A game. And so I take partial responsibility for that as well. Um, yeah. But I played Mad Party. I, w I wanted to have some good t good fun uh, with a deck that I thought was pretty decent. I still think it's actually pretty good, although I definitely did not hit the kinds of decks that I was expecting, to be honest. Uh, if I yeah. honest, if I was being perfectly honest with you, I was expecting like a fair amount of Senti Scorch. <laughs> it was like one deck that I thought was going to be overrepresented. Um, yeah. <laughs> instead, I fought like a bunch of random stuff that I really did not expect and w would be in the other category on meta charts. Uh, and they weren't yeah. bad decks. Like, they were well-constructed, you know, thoughtful decks, but they were just well outside the range of things that I was prepared for. Um, yeah. And with a deck like Mad Party, you really don't want that. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're supposed to be the deck that not everyone's prepared for, as opposed to it being right. the other way around. So I was telling you, like, it. I was telling you this before the cast, I would almost rather play ADPs because I have a very straightforward game plan, and I know what I'm doing in that matchup very well. Uh, yeah. But instead, I played decks that I was completely unfamiliar with, like Sableye, Goon kind of decks, and like uh, Lapras VMAX decks, um, and I was just not prepared for that. Sableye decks. Yeah. Um, all in all, though, it was super fun. Uh, the deck itself went pretty well. I wouldn't change too much about the list. I think Mad Party's kind of flexible in how you play it. There's like a couple different engines that work pretty well. Um, I have mm -hmm. them all built on TCGO and play them all fairly liberally, just because I really like the deck. Um, yep. I would definitely play Mad Party again. If anyone wants to talk about Mad Party or as a list, feel free to hit me up. I don't want to go too deep in the details of it. Uh, just for I'll save you all the the, the heartache on the on the cast. But it's a, I think it's a decent deck. Does it hold up in the meta? I mean, it's probably like a tier two or three deck. Um, but that's fine. I mean, I wasn't I was intending to go in with a tier two or three deck anyway. I was sure. literally the two decks I talked about on the roadcast, the Water Mewtwo and the Mad Party. Those were the I was playing one of those two decks. Uh, okay. No matter what. <laughs> and uh, and it was fun. And Brady and I actually played the same deck. He ended up dropping once he picked up a second loss. Um, I think he got donked by an Eternatus. Um, oh, yeah. With a little scoop up shenanigans. And so he ended up playing like Among Us instead. But. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I stuck it out for a while just because I love playing the deck and it's super fun. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, awesome. on the whole, though, uh, my experience even outside of playing was super good. My opponents were all very gracious, very fun to play with. Um, it was very smooth, um, not a lot of wait time. And when there was, I could always count on being able to tune in the stream and there was like always a game going on. Very rarely was there downtime. Um, mm -hmm. So I never really felt like I was sitting around waiting, which is really... Um, in talking with you, I think that's one of the things we don't like the most about these tournaments is when you just have nothing to do uh, between the rounds. Um, yeah. 
And so I, I had a I had a really good time. I will definitely be playing in more in the future. Um, will I play Mad Party in all of them? Probably play in some of them. Um, <laughs> maybe not all. Uh, sure. Might have to recoup some of my money before I play too much Mad Party. But yeah. uh, you know, once we get to like an even like Mad Party donations and other deck recuperations then i think we'll hit the balance <laughs> that there we're looking go. for so that's what's up. <laughs> um overall really happy with it with how it was run really happy with my opponents and honestly i was pretty happy with the deck so no complaints yeah. here that's great that's great yeah it's just um the online scene is here to stay uh, at least for the uh you know next three six months and so um, we're happy to just add to that there's a pretty rich tournament scene right now and um just hoping to put our own little spin on that and uh make something you know unique to the full grip brand yeah absolutely and i think i think we're on the right to getting that so thank you to jw thank you to natalie for really plowing through the back end of this and making it so successful um if you guys aren't already make sure to show your love to natalie she is really the the backbone of the mm-hmm. uh of the scene here at the grip so she is <laughs> she does a lot of stuff for the shop and for the series so the next one will be in um a couple weeks so registration will drop on the 23rd and then two tuesdays from now on the 29th will be the next tournament so if you're interested in playing there are only 64 slots and you'll have the reg pretty quickly like within two hours of the registration opening because i would expect (laughs) that many people to re-register uh pretty quickly again so yeah be on the lookout super cool thanks again jw for helping to get that going of course next up on our list um as part of our new season three special is the card of the day and so this week i wanted to bring uh, a fun card that i've really enjoyed it was kind of a one-hit wonder and that is lucario gx i want to reminisce about lucario when there was a good fighting card um in a meta that's full of eternatus i'm sure we're all wishing that there was a good fighting card and (laughs) this was one so for the unfamiliar lucario gx uh when it evolved from riolu for one fighting energy did 120 damage kind of galisopod-esque um not exactly but the real star of the show for lucario is it also had a gx attack identical actually to um to madbull gx on tauros for Mm -hmm. those who are familiar where you do three times the amount of damage you've taken back to your opponent and basically what this amounted to was lucario was phenomenal against zorark decks because zorark didn't have a good way to hit it without taking a cantankerous which is also one of my favorite attack names ever is cantankerous cantankerous beat down <laughs> um and i think it's aura strike is the first attack um mm-hmm. so it was really good against zorark at the time because zorark didn't have a good way to answer it but ironically it was also a good partner for zorark uh, as like a Zorak answer slash high damage output card because with strong energies and you know right. choice band even Diancy or Kakui you could really hit the numbers um, with that card you could get up to 190 without even a Diancy in your bench with just strong energy choice band Kakui mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. the math back in the time with Zorak was so interesting <laughs> yeah right um, right 
So it was just a super fun card, but it only really saw success once in standard. I mean, it saw some like niche play here and there. The only time I think it really was successful in standard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, was um, in the immediate fallout of um, the team upset dropping, where Zorik, Lucario, Lycanroc was like the anti-Pikaram, anti-meta kind of deck. Um, and that was, it was a really good deck. It was really fun. Some people even took it yeah. even further, played Lucario, Lycanroc, and Weavile, which yeah. uh, was a little extra if you ask me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. but still a viable option, I guess. And uh, that was pretty much it. I don't, I don't think it ever saw success in standard outside of that. Um, which was really quite sad because my friends and I were super excited when the box came out and we all got a bunch of them. And I just want to show Lucario the love it deserves. So thank you, Lucario, for all that you do. Thank you for your very cool Focus Sash deck and Expanded that is now completely <laughs> unviable. Um. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Great attack names. Very cool art, I think. the uh, Lucario's the, a cool card, a man. It came out with a shiny and it was just like, looking sweet in the hidden fates lucario is one a cool pokemon too i know lucario kind of started maybe a trend of like the cool like edgy pokemon you know what i'm saying that what persisted for a couple generations like zorak yeah, sure. and lucario honestly are in the same genre of pokemon sure, sure. sure. <laughs> um, i feel that but honestly maybe i'm just a sucker but i like those pokemon i like them a lot <laughs> <laughs> do you buy into the, the edgy the edgelord pokemon the, trope the edgelord pokemon trope um who else would be in there greninja's in there uh greninja i like greninja too um kind of more like humanoid yeah and decidualized like kind of on the fringe of it uh, okay what about where does Scrap fit in there Scrap is definitely Scrap like hangs with the crew but they're not like overly supportive of him being there uh okay that would make sense. But I'm nobody has the other... heart to tell Skrelp to leave because his mom gives them cookies. Ah, uh, <laughs> right, right, of course. <laughs> but basically, you're like, it seems like you're describing all the Smash characters. Yes. That are Pokemon. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> There's overlap between those genres, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. They're like Pokemon that are designed to be popular, you know? Like, you look at Zorak and you're like, yeah, this was the Pokemon that was supposed to be popular from Gen 5. Yeah, I like, I don't know, like Garchomp, I guess? No, I don't think Garchomp's all the way there. Really? Not you don't think it was designed to be popular? Garchomp was definitely designed to be popular, but he doesn't really fit into the same mold, you know? Bro, if they if they have, like, I think that's what you're actually looking for, is, like, if they have extra spikes somewhere then they're supposed to be cool like lucario has like spikes that i'm looking at it now and i like never really realized yeah he has spikes on his spike hand he's like one on he his has chest. a spike on his chest bro. yeah 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 <laughs> i just it doesn't really make a lot of sense yeah i mean you got but. zorark with his very large mane lucario with his big spikes on his hands and I, it looks uncomfortable almost like the, yeah, definitely. the chest like, spike you... like I mean, you could just like hit that in your day to day. And how do you how do you hug someone? Lucario will never know the joy of a hug without also the sorrow of stabbing said person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he will be able to hug, but they're also dead. It's a one time deal. <laughs> <laughs> 
side hugs forever or maybe lucario is just like the ultimate um like friend zone pokemon yeah he only hover it's hands only side hugs <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> Imagining Lucario give a hover hand to his trainer is definitely cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty epic for sure. Uh, that's sick, man. Also, Lucario had a movie, which was very good. Do you know why that movie was good, JW? No, enlighten me. It was because this is the movie that had the Reggie Pokemon, and the Reggie Pokemon were so funny in the movie. <laughs> okay. They weren't did meant they... to be comedic, but they sounded hilarious. Oh, I was going to say, it didn't have to do with their voice. Yeah I, yeah, I haven't seen a ton of the Pokemon movies, so maybe we should, like, have a watch party or something. You <laughs> you got to at least look up, like, Regiice in the movie. It is so funny, okay. man. Yeah, the only, the only Pokemon-related movie meme that I know is My Horn is My Sword. <laughs> yeah, that one's good, too. <laughs> <laughs> my Horn is <laughs> My Sword. <laughs> I watched them all with my friends in college. They're, honestly, Pokemon movies are really fun. <laughs> Seem pretty busted, for sure. They're super fun, man. I love how Pokemon say their names. That's just, that rocks. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of them make sense. And then, yeah, you get to some that just, you know, they go off the rails. Like, they've run out of distinctive noises to make. <laughs> and they just get kind of kind of weird, you know, certainly in Gen five six you know you look starting to see that you know i feel like gen one like made a lot of sense like bulbasaur everyone knows how bulbasaur sounds you know everyone knows how uh you know charmander sounds but like how you know who knows what scrub sounds like that's what i'm saying you know (laughs) you're just this anti-scrub bro it should not be a pokemon i like scrub honestly the more you hate scrub the more fond i grow of scrub Really? So that's actually all the scrub power in the universe resides between us. <laughs> exactly. Well, moral of the story, shout out to Lucario, shout out to Lucario GX. I wanted to give praise to a fighting type Pokemon that um, doesn't get to thrive in today's format. For sure. So let's move into then the meta. I think that's a, a perfect shift. So Obviously, with a void in the fighting type, um, there's one deck that really benefits from that, and that's going to be the Eternatus deck. Eternatus VMAX with its um, 270 damage, turn two every game, get <laughs> Zigzagoons mm-hmm. or Poison or, you know, whatever dark type you have in your deck box at the time. Yeah. Uh, honestly, straightforward. We talked about it a bunch. Eternatus powerful as ever the the other deck that really succeeded at full grip um even more so than eternatus getting five of the top eight spots was adp zashin so again we don't have to go into how, what got us there we know adp zashin there's a couple shifts that we've seen over the list over time but yeah. fundamentally the core of the deck alter creation gus gus game is preserved um yeah so let's dive into those one by one we'll start with adp zashian because it saw sure. more success jw why do you think adp zashian was such a good pick for the full grip online series and do you think that is sustainable going forward um yes i do i do think it is sustainable going forward i mean this kind of the whole meta in general feels like an end game to the meta as a whole like if we are looking at the two best decks i think 
being you know Eternatus and uh, ADP like that's pretty much the entire that was the entire metaphor um this last tournament and so i think yeah we're looking at kind of this at least in this one tournament we saw what the end game of this format could look like and that's scary that's a little bit exciting um you know certainly we're going to be getting a new set here coming up maybe shake a few things up but uh yes it definitely revolves around this adp and eternatus and what i like from the adp list is that they are going very aggressive into gusting the list that one played four bosses order an eldegoss to recycle bosses order and a great catcher so being able to gust uh up to six times you know you're obviously not going to need that many gusts <laughs> but the fact that you have access to it uh as many times as you do is great for that deck and then we also saw another list that has been floating around that uh danny played at this tournament uh, and that involved just kind of not even playing like disruption cards aside from a mawile i believe he played a mawile but but the biggest thing there was playing the four gust and then via the boss's orders and then four gust via pokemon catcher yeah so really trying to take advantage of gusting up the bench Pokemon and, you know, going all in for that strategy, playing four research as the only draw supporter, and then playing a bunch of gusts and a bunch of Dedenne, like three Dedenne, a Crobat, just trying to get that stuff out and really going for broke on that strategy. Um, he ended up going, I believe four and two started out four Oh, um, and, you know, hit a couple of, uh, rough matchups there towards the end but uh, that would be where i would look for adp to go in the future just having those gust options is absolutely enormous for the deck and i think it's got it i mean it's here to stay it was here to stay but um this tournament really showed like just how powerful adp can be i feel like we've had for the last you know month or so of this format like we've seen people kind of almost intentionally turn away from ADP because of, you know, this ban ADP movement or just they, they want to try something new. And it this tournament really showed me, like, yes, ADP <laughs> is just, just as powerful as it was and it's not going to go anywhere. And yeah. uh, it really should make up, you know, a large portion of the metagame. Yeah. I even want to specifically call out... Um, I like the, the Pokemon Catcher list a lot. That's very similar to the kinds of engines I've been running in ADP. Um, mm-hmm. But ADP saw a lot of success with very different structures. Yeah. I mean, the core of ADP, there's a lot of cards that preserve no matter what version of ADP you're playing. Um, yeah. But there was a lot of variation in like the minutia. So Michael Zeely got second. He played Crushing Hammers. Uh, Danny Altavilla obviously playing the Pokemon Catchers, like you said. There's some that are playing Turbo Patches. There are some that are playing, you know, just some more straightforward, like Boss's Orders and Marnie kind of style, uh, maybe mm-hmm. leaning more into Zamazenta. Um, so really, there's just so much going on with these ADP decks. And, I mean, it's just a testament to how strong the deck is if it can concede, succeed in so many ways that it's that people aren't agreeing yet on what is the best way to play it while it's still winning tournaments. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, ADP, obviously, we, we've said it a bunch of times, very strong card, um, phenomenally powerful. I mean, that was really just a case study in how good it is. You know, mm-hmm. people, I feel like we've gotten the, the rhetoric time and time again that, like, you know, ADP, 
you know, how big of a deal is it really if it's not winning tournaments? Which, A, I think is faulty logic, but B, you know, we just proved that's not true. <laughs> so, Yeah, sure. You know, and, just, and, of course, this was, a, you know, a cap tournament. And, you know, there, sure. there could have been many different reasons that people chose ADP. Like, for instance, you know, maybe a lot of people thought that a lot of other people would bring random decks, you know? And so they were like, okay, I just want to beat the random decks. So that's why I'm <laughs> going to go with ADP. Um, you know, so it, it was a limited tournament to 64 people and the 64 people that registered first. So, um, you know, certainly that has to be kind of a factor of like, well, okay, if you're going to go to this tournament, uh, what's just maybe a comfort pick or a pick that's going to do well against the field. And I think, you know, that certainly uh, played into why so many people played ADP. But from my experience, I haven't found ADP to have a good matchup against Eternatus, and I know that I was just watching. Um, I was just watching Omnipoke's video about a hundred games of ADP, and I found that really fascinating because uh, his results were drastically different from my results uh, with the ADP versus Eternatus matchup. And so uh, on his end, he found the ADP was significantly favored. On my end, I feel like Eternatus, while not significantly favored, is favored in that matchup. And so it's just been really interesting to see how, um, you know, you see that kind of play out in and of itself and and watching it unfold on the stream the other day was uh, was really nice. Yeah, I, I personally think ADP has an edge in that matchup. Um, yeah, I think it more consistently does what it wants turn two than Eternatus. And the addition of catchers actually makes the gusting so much easier. Um, right. So between If sure. you have a combination of catchers and Mawile, then I think you're pretty set for the matchup, right? Like, Because um, you've got two energy attacker, you kill two Crobats, you have boss right. orders, and Pokemon catcher to do it. So, Right. Sure. And, and of course, uh, there would be ways for Eternatus to play around that, but it, it gets really hard when Crobat is the draw of your deck. So, um, <laughs> you know, whether or not I hit into, you know, whether or not it is a good matchup for ADP, um, you know, certainly I need to uh, figure out a little bit more. Again, I may be hitting into the, the variance that gives me a different outcome and gives me a different opinion, but um yeah, it's just, it's interesting. I do think that Eternatus, very strong deck. ADP, very strong deck. Probably the two strongest decks uh, in the format right now. And we absolutely saw that in the results. Now, the cool thing about the Eternatus, we also saw some variants. Yeah. Just like we saw with ADP lists. And uh, the variants in Eternatus came from whether or not they played um, a Poison style version with Toxicroaks and uh, Dark Cities and Slowbro Vs and Garbodors, or whether or not they played, you know, the, the more consistent, I, not maybe not even consistent, but the more straightforward list, I guess, with <laughs> Zigzagoons and Scuba Nets. Yeah. And uh, that was that was interesting to see kind of play out, because both lists did do pretty well, but uh, to see the Poison list actually perform in this tournament, where I hadn't ever really seen it um, take up, you know, the higher placements in other tournaments, I was really cool to see. Yeah. So do you have any preferences yourselves about what kind of list you think is better? Do you think it depends on metagame? Well, I've been working a lot with a player who plays the poison list and he 
just really loves it and i i can see now why he does because that poison damage does add up over the course of the game and um is pretty good in the mirror and that's kind of what i was looking for in eternatus list is being able to hit those high numbers and with a poison deck i mean you you really can you you can get up to the numbers that you want to hit pretty reliably if you can get a couple of toxic croaks out so um I'm going to mess a little bit more with that uh, variant. And the poison, you know, also has some reasonable use. And actually, I mean, not reasonable use, has very good use in some of your less than stellar matchups. So things like Decidueye was a bad matchup. But with the poison, um, you know, you can do 50 damage, you know, per passing of the turn and that adds up insanely quick you know and uh same with uh something like lucario melmetal or any other deck that would play you know a couple of these amazentas you just get that poison stuff and all of a sudden they're um, just racking up damage way faster than they can heal so i i think it's a it's a cool little inclusion that does actually shore up some of the bad matchups for eternatus um, the downside right. would be, of course, you're trying to set up more things. So if you go, you know, Toxicroak and Garbodor, trying to set up three stage twos, and that's a lot to ask for. But again, the reward can be very worth it. Do you think Garbodor is the superior poison engine to just running um, Galarian Slowbro? Well, the thing about Slowbro is that it really only works after a knockout and you know, realistically, you're only going to get one Pokemon knocked out. So the Slowbro is, I think, a necessity. I think you need to have it, but I don't know that you can necessarily rely on it unless you're including, you know, potentially even more than six switch outs. Like, I mean, I think with Switch and Dark City, it's if you play a heavy switch count. Yeah, but I mean, you might even need like Bird Keeper. Like it it really, it hasn't worked out when I've been playing the Slowbro that it it makes a lot of sense to have that double switch in hand or um, you just don't have that, you know, with Marnie and Reset Stamp being, you know, as prominent as they have been. Never really works out that way to have the double switch when you absolutely need it. Well, if if you play a decent amount of Dark City, you just need one, right? No, for sure. I for feel sure. like stadiums it, actually do kind of stick in this format. Yeah, yeah. It's just something that I found from uh, testing with a few different people. Sure. Uh, that it hasn't it hasn't quite worked out. I think you know you would need a couple of bird keepers and <laughs> um, certainly the the switches and certainly the dark city to make sure that you can have that double switch turn when you need it. Sure. So, were there any other decks that you found to be interesting or surprising uh, up in the top ranks? Yeah, well, the Salamence, I don't think we can go <laughs> without mentioning Salamence. Yeah. So Salamence was uh, piloted by David Negret, third place. Very cool little list here um, showing off what uh, Salamence can do with the lightning and triple acceleration uh, version of the deck. So um, really Strong list, very consistent, um, utilized, powerful energy, and triple XL and the lightnings, of course. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't able to cast him at all. Uh, didn't cast a game that he was playing in or playing, you know, with. So I didn't get to see the deck in action. But seems like about as good of a list as you can make for this archetype. And it's cool to see him do well. I heard that it had a pretty decent ADP matchup. <laughs> That's sick. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'll yeah. have to see more of that deck in action. I was excited to see it up there, though. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, whether or not this archetype can succeed, I I doubt it. I mean, I think David was, um, you know, he did very well, and I'm sure he was playing brilliantly, but I, whether or not he was expecting to do that well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, it's a list that I definitely want to try out, though, because um, it certainly is, you know, a card that I really enjoy, and I've kind of pictured Salamence being a little bit better with Welder because it's a little bit more sustainable than having to find a triple acceleration every single turn. But at the same time, triple excel uh, maybe is a little bit faster in the sense that you don't need to set up this combo uh, to get going. So it'll be curious to see whether or not this list can you know perform well again in the future. Yeah, for sure. Cool, any other major showings that you wanna shout out? Um, we had a couple of Decidueye Goons players. Again, I think that deck is uh, pretty strong, assuming that you don't see a lot of Eternatus with Poison. That's kind of the, <laughs> the the killer there. You know, Decidueye Goons has a very strong matchup against both Eternatus and ADP, assuming you can get things out, you know, assuming you don't dead draw and, and brick. But um, that's, a, that's a deck that I really enjoy in this format, especially being as kind of polarized as it is around those two top decks. Uh, you can try to bring out these counter strategies, and I think that's one of the best counter decks right now. Yeah, really rough Sonic Scorch matchup if you happen to run into that, though. <laughs> that's true, that's true. And and luckily, yeah, I, I was working with Ryan a little bit on his list, and luckily for him, he uh, didn't play many Sent Scorch, and like you were saying earlier in the cast, there weren't really any Sent Scorch in yeah, the field. I was really expecting a couple, man. <laughs> I did play one, and I did beat them. <laughs> Yeah, you did, bro. I'm proud of you. But I was expecting, I was expecting like a randomly like a lot of Sentence Scorch. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Honestly, I was like, I was like, man, there could, there like could a, definitely be like. I feel Sentence Scorch in the air, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's brewing. It, it wasn't actually brewing though. I was quite sad. <laughs> oh well. Cool. Maybe maybe in two weeks. Maybe maybe. Play Santa Scorch, yeah, I, I, I need this for Mad Party. <laughs> so I think now's a perfect time to open up to questions. If you all have any questions, we'll answer a couple of them before we sign off for the day. As always, we appreciate your listenership and viewership. It means a lot to us, and your continued support is what allows us to keep making this podcast and continue developing our content with things such as the Full Grip series. Absolutely. So I'm going to scroll up here. I thought there maybe was a couple of questions. Yeah. So we got a question. Why did the full grip tournament not have a top cut? Yeah. Addressing this a little bit earlier on the cast, but just trying to keep everything concise and, um, and uh, be very respectful of people's time and just making sure that, you know, they know what they're getting into. And I think, on the flip side of that, it's like also for us as as the creators of this being, and especially being the first tournament, we want to make sure that it runs on time, people get in and out, and that there's no um, extraneous uh, action happening that could delay the tournament. Or if there is, that it wouldn't, um, you know, affect the tournament too much that we couldn't still get the tournament done within a reasonable amount of time. And, you know, you look at a lot of other online tournaments and certainly, you know, uh, this is not 
bad-mouthing any other tournament at all, <laughs> but you've seen kind of technical difficulties in some of the other tournaments, and that was just something that, you know, we wanted to avoid, or if it did happen, you know, it wouldn't be this kind of massive scale tournament that we'd have to kind of reinvent the wheel to to even finish it on that day. So um, keeping the player number at a cap and uh, eliminating a top cut uh, not only kept us within this kind of three-hour goal limit, but it also helped to give the tournament a different feel. And I think that was also something that we were going for um, with this tournament series of, of certainly, again, prizes on the line that were that were good. They were great prizes. Um, a lot of store credit on the line that a lot of people were really looking forward to. But also making sure that it wasn't so high stakes that people felt intimidated by trying to enter. For sure. We got a question yeah. from Fireflame. Fireflame Fire Zero, excuse me. Is there a breakdown of the meta share from the full grip tournament available? There is. Yeah, Natalie made a little graph. So if you follow her, um, she posted it on Twitter. And there actually might also be one in the uh, the Discord for the tournament series. I haven't checked recently, but she certainly has not Twitter. Awesome. So be sure to check out Natalie's Twitter and the Full Grip Online Series Discord. Thank you all so much, as always. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well. That's at Smiles with Riles and at Real John Walter. And follow the streams. So that's Munner and Flex Daddy Righteous on Twitch. And we will be catching you all next time. I appreciate you, as always. Peace. See ya.